a golden god! An equal amount of blueberries in each muffin. To a new world of gods and monsters. <laughs> Who's weirder, you or me? You just put the law on my hands, and I'm gonna break your heart. Nobody puts baby in the Whatever you do, don't fall Hello and welcome back to Movies for Life. I am one of your co-hosts, Brian Kuyper. And I'm your other co-host, Michelle Egan. So today we're doing something. This is a bonus episode. This is something yeah. for fun. Um, Michelle suggested, hey, why don't we do five more forever favorites? Because, hey, we like more than five movies. More than five movies stay in our top favorites of all time on a regular rotation, right? So um, Absolutely. <laughs> let's give ourselves a chance to talk about some more of those. Uh, so we thought we'd make a couple more lists and see what we talk about. Now, this is interesting because Michelle coaxed my list out of me <laughs> early. So she knows what mine is. And you, she, she also told me what hers me was. You gave me the hints, I guess. She, she also told me what hers was. And then she uh, texts me this morning and says, I have completely changed my list. There's one that's still the same. So I'm going into this surprised. I won't know what you're going to You didn't have I know. I chose You didn't have to tell me your list. (laughs) And I and I could have said hey Once you gave them to me though. They were obvious. They were pretty obvious. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know why enough. I hadn't thought of them before. I could have guessed them before if I had thought about it a little bit harder. Well, but. Fair enough. And I imagine I'll probably go, oh, of course, when I hear you say yours. Right. But I have chosen to not ask you what your new list is because I want to be surprised and find out as we discuss them. Because that'll be more that'll exciting be more than exciting. fun that way. That w- there are two on my list that we have already talked about on the show. So that's a little bit of a hint. Okay. And then two other ones I'm pretty sure are going to be coming up on future episodes. So Now, we have go. discussed two of my alternate forever favorites on the show as well. Singing in the Rain and It's a Wonderful Life are both in there. Probably Shadow of the Vampire as well. I've decided to discuss all new ones, ones that we haven't talked about on the show. Okay. So, because these are not necessarily a ranked list of our numbers six through 10 here. These are right. sort of just five more movies that are meaningful to us, right? Five more because. Five more because, steal yes. Steal again from Fear Cinema. Because why, <laughs> why wouldn't we? Of yeah. Course. So when we love those on guys. their Patreon episode, I don't know if you've heard this one yet, where they talked about what their original plan for the show was. It was that they each pick a movie on a topic and discuss it. Uh, was their original plan? <laughs> uh, so we un- unknowingly stole that format from them too. But hey, Oops. it's all good. It's all good. It's out of love. Yeah, it's not how they do the show now. So it's. <laughs> It's fun. Yeah. Right. We steal because we love them and we admire yeah, them. Yeah, that's right. And they are very inspirational to us. Absolutely. So. Steal from the best. Make it our own. That's, that's what we did. That's right. <laughs> okay. So we're going to do the whole back and forth. You go, I go. So Michelle is going first. So what what you got? What one do you want to bring up first? All right. I'm going to start with the ones that we've already talked about a little bit on the show before. Maybe I'll do a little thing to see if you can guess what it is okay. before I say it. It goes along with one of yours in terms of the director. I know what it is. I have a tattoo of it. <laughs> oh, that's not what I was thinking. But yeah. Okay, good. Good. Yeah, okay. Uh, my first one is Rope. Yeah. From 1948, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. The way I picked out this list was just going through like all of my movies, thinking about what movies do I know the most? Have I just 
been absolutely fascinated with and know like the back of my hand and then I love picking apart every frame and every line of dialogue and I thought about it and I was like oh my god rope is absolutely one of those it's always been one that like I said just always been fascinated by and it's one that I never get bored of you know even though it's kind of not boring but you know we talked about it it's it's shot like it's done in one take it all takes place in one location it's just a small group of actors there's not a lot of big action but there is so much going on in that movie like yeah i mean god how do i have a tattoo of it how could i not pick it of course it's like it's one of my favorites it's one of those that, that i hadn't thought of before as a favorite but when i was looking at it again i was like yeah duh of course it is yeah i there think our discussion of it made me appreciate it more i'd always liked it But for me, there's a lot of Hitchcock movies I like more. But we talked about that. But it's a great movie. It's got so much going on. And the performances, I think, are just impeccable Mm -hmm. in it all across the board. It's always been my favorite Hitchcock. Um, I I know there's a lot to pick from, you know, with him. But this one just always stuck with me and got to me. It's one I love talking about. And whenever I say that it's my favorite, uh, I think people are are surprised or like they forget about it. You know, it's one of the it's not as popular as, you know, Psycho or other ones like that. So I like to keep it in the conversation because it is a fantastic movie from his filmography and my favorite of his one of my forever favorites. Excellent. So it seems only natural then that I (laughs) would pick my I'm forcing your hand. You are. Uh, my favorite Hitchcock <laughs> film. And so this is funny because our number five picks last round were our favorite Scorsese movies. Uh, mm-hmm. So this round, my favorite Hitchcock movie. Also, same star. Also yep. a one room epic. And yep. if you haven't figured it out by now, it is Rear Window. Now, Rear Window is one of those. It's, it's funny because the first Hitchcock movie I saw was with my grandma, who was a massive fan of the man, of his work. And we watched The Birds first. And and it was at my grandma's house. I remember thinking it was really slow. <laughs> it, took, <laughs> it takes a long time to get going on The Birds. It spends a lot of time on its characters, which is great now. And I appreciate that now. But at the time, I was like, oh, wow, this is what old movies are like, huh? Uh, (laughs) So that was new to me. But there's some shocking stuff in that. But her favorite was Rear Window. And I saw a lot of Hitchcock movies before I finally saw Rear Window. Uh, I know I saw Psycho long before this. I know I saw possibly North by Northwest and a few others before this. But when I finally did see Rear Window, it was kind of everything that I hoped it would be. That single room thing, the aspect of just being in this one person's perspective for most of the movie and not really being sure for so much of the film, you know, that what he's seeing is what he believes to be the case. I I just still find the movie so effective. I saw this one after its restoration in the theater in the late 90s, and it was really cool seeing it with an audience, too. Uh, it was at a little theater. I swear my personal television screen is bigger than the screen in that theater. <laughs> but <laughs> it was remarkable, though, to watch it with an audience and to see that it still worked however many years later. It had the humor, the suspense of it all still really worked for me. And And I'm a big Hitchcock fan for a long time. He was my number one favorite director, no contest. And so I've seen much of his filmography there are a few especially from the early days that i'm missing still but Mm -hmm. me too yeah but for me uh rear window is just kind of the epitome of his work in in combining humor and suspense and the murder mystery and the characters uh and holy shit grace kelly is just a vision (laughs) of absolute (laughs) epitome of beauty in this movie uh and she's so (laughs) She's she's spunky and and funny and you know I love her. I mean, in she's that. she's great. Yeah. She's terrific in it. So Rear Window from 1954, I should say. I had kind of a similar thing where uh, I always liked that one, and then a few years ago it was playing at my local theater for like they had like a little retro mm-hmm. screening thing, and so I went to go see it one afternoon, and yeah, seeing it on the big screen with an audience and 
you know, just that thing of it's always kind of a different experience going to see something in theater when it's like it's all you can focus on and you like you really pay attention to the movie. And I was like, this movie is great. I am loving this more than I ever have before. I think it's probably one of my top favorites of his, too. Mm-hmm. Well, good choice. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad it's I'm glad it's one of your favorites, too. Uh, anyway. OK, back to you. What do you right. what do you got next? OK, so we're going to do another one that we have already talked about before. And this is another one that when I thought about it for this list, it was another light bulb. Like, duh, of course, this has always been a favorite. It is a classic comedy from the 50s. Okay. You got it? I think so. (laughs) Billy Wilder, Some Like It Hot from 1959. Um, Oh, my God. Again, like having that conversation about the movie and seeing it in a different way than I have and all the years that I've been watching it, always loving it, but just realizing just how much more brilliant it is than I thought it was before and how much more relevant it is and how it still holds up incredibly well Mm -hmm. to this day. I absolutely, absolutely love this movie. It's one of the first movies that I saw when I was younger that helped me fall in love with classic cinema Mm -hmm. or helped me at least want to explore it at a young age and not just be put off by older movies because they're in black and white and we don't like that kind of stuff. No, I I saw this when I was pretty young and I, I loved it. And so that definitely opened my eyes to what classic cinema could be like, how good it could be mm-hmm. and how funny it could be. This yeah. movie is still like freaking hilarious to me. The performances are fantastic and loving Marilyn Monroe even more. I just watched on Criterion. I saw her movie uh, Niagara. Great movie. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Ah, so good in that. And just uh, <laughs> Jack Lemmon, Tony Curtis, like they're just top notch. This movie kills all the way through still to this day. It's absolutely incredible. We, like I said, this is one we've already talked about. So go listen to our episode because that was a super fun episode to do. And we both absolutely love this movie. So one of my forever favorites. Again, Some Like It Hot. Yeah, you know, I adore Some Like It Hot. <laughs> If you twisted my arm to pick my favorite Billy Wilder movie, I'd probably pick The Apartment. But this is uh, a this is yeah. a terrific movie. It was really fun to talk about it and sort of see it in a modern context and see that it still works, uh, even if if you it through a slightly different lens now than you would in 1959. But mm-hmm. I think that it still holds up really strongly. It holds up so well. Yeah. Incredible how well it does, really. Okay, so I'm gonna Your pick, turn. I'm gonna pick something to go with this, another black and white sort of undisputed classic and a romance. Um and hmm. <laughs> Oh, you you must remember what I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah, uh so from nineteen forty three, Casablanca. Now, this is one of those answers that's sort of like, oh gosh, that it's like Je- uh, Jeff Foxworth, Stephen Foxworthy, when he came on, and <laughs> sorry, sorry, Steve, right. sorry, Stephen. Um, but <laughs> when he comes on and says, you know, my favorite movie is Citizen Kane, it's like, yeah, it's a pretty basic bitch kind of answer. But my wife and I saw this not that long ago on the big screen, one of those Fathom Events things. You know, Fathom Events, you know, is spotty as far as quality goes, and you know, I, I get all that. I've had good and bad experiences with them but it was really cool to see this movie on a big screen with an audience i was still kind of moved to tears by the marseillaise scene when they stand up and start singing you know the french national anthem against the germans uh, who are singing theirs and it's moving and it still works and there's elements of it that are so i guess saccharine and sappy but for some reason they work you know and I think this is sure. this is a kitchen sink movie. It's got everything. It's got, you know, a thriller aspect. It's got comedy. It's got this sort of rogues gallery of colorful characters. And it's got Ingrid Bergman and Humphrey Bogart kind of at the moment of true greatness, you know, between them. And uh, it's, I mean, what else can I say about it? It's freaking Casablanca. Yeah. Uh, and it's a great movie, and it's still a great movie. Some movies are classics for a reason, you know? Mm-hmm. And this one's pretty personal to me because yeah. when... Okay, so this is the personal aspect of this. I met my wife sort of on a fluke. 
I went with some friends to visit her roommate and happened to meet her and she had her sort of VHS collection up on the wall. And later I found out that she hadn't seen most of the movies that were on her wall, but, um, <laughs> you know, that's okay. And we, um, we just sort of started talking about them and I talked about what movies we liked and this one came up. And so the very next time I went over to her house, we watched this movie together. And then our first real date was on my birthday and she bought me the DVD and then there was a new edition DVD that came out around the time we got married. So we bought that as, you know, sort of a gift to each other. And then we got the Blu-ray special edition and uh, we went and saw, (laughs) and this year marks our 20th anniversary. So we saw it on the big screen on the, our 20th anniversary year. Uh, So it's just kind of a special movie to us and to me. So this is a personal and sentimental favorite and unabashedly so, but you know, the movie is kind of unabashedly sentimental in its own way too. So it seems appropriate. I think that's great. No, (laughs) you're acting like all embarrassed. I think that's amazing that you have something like that in your history. Yeah. That's like from the very beginning and lasted this long. That's, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool that you guys have that. And then it's, such a great movie yeah you know it's one of those things where it's like what what's a movie you've owned in multiple formats well right <laughs> I, i'd like to say it's one of my other picks which also is but um casablanca is literally one i've owned probably every version of it since the late 90s that has come out right. so i love that that's a great pick okay and i haven't actually watched that all the way through in a long time We'll have to talk about it for the show so I can do that again. It's a nifty movie. And, you know, it's it's <laughs> it, it's, it's it's about standing up against Nazis, which is always kind of evergreen. So, hey. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good <laughs> to see that. Yeah. I mean, and think about how quotable that movie is. I mean, we'll always oh, God, have yeah. Paris. This is the beginning of a beautiful friendship so many things in this movie just line after line and then it comes across as being so cliche because they're all quoted all the time now but it's like this is ground zero this is where all these cliches started you know it's like reading hamlet you know for the first time you're like this is so cliche it's like well this is where they started so it's that kind of thing Mm -hmm. but it's still terrific movie of course well, you talked about Casablanca being kind of a kitchen sink movie. And I think my next pick kind of can be described as that as well. It's also like a timeless love story to me. In terms of the kitchen sink, you know, this movie has fencing, fighting, torture, <laughs> revenge, giants, monsters, chases, escapes, true love, miracles. From 1987, Rob Reiner's The Princess Bride. Now, this is kind of my basic bench answer, too, I think, because I think people that grew up in the same kind of time period as I did, you know, this was probably a movie that you watched. This was, like, super popular in the late 80s, early 90s. But I have watched it as an adult. It's not just childhood nostalgia, you know, that my, my love for this movie is, but... Like I said, it's just a timeless fantasy love story. It's still so funny. The performances are still so hilarious. Again, another like endlessly quotable Quotable. movie. I'm like, my God, you can. There are so many things to pick from. Even like people that I I don't really expect to like quote movies all the time like I do. Like whenever I I hear them say something like, you know, have fun storming the castle. I'm always like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) you're one of my people. There you go. You know. No more rhymes now. I mean it. Anybody want a peanut? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And this is one that lasts, I mean, for, for generations. I showed this to my nephews and they loved mm-hmm. it and they had fun mm-hmm. with it because it's got all those elements to it. It's just a super fun, funny watch, but it's also, it's for kids and it's for adults because it's got the love story and the revenge story. I don't know what else to say about it. You know, everyone knows The Princess Bride. I mean, if you haven't seen it, like, I think there are some people that still haven't seen it to this day. It's not one that you grew up with. Please give it a try. It, it's so good. It's it's classic. It's it's timeless. And it's definitely one that I watched endlessly as a kid. My favorite story that my parents told me one time is that I would watch this so much. I knew it by heart 
that I used to play the movie, but I would sit with my back to the TV and I would just quote all the lines because I knew that movie so well. So it's been in my life forever and I think it's, it hasn't gone away yet, so I don't think it ever is. So this definitely has to be another one of my forever favorites. We just watched this for family movie night a couple weeks ago. Uh, now the kids had seen it before. We showed it to them a long time ago, but we probably showed it a little bit early. So we watched it again and it just played so much better, you know, now that they're, you know, my, my youngest is 12 and it just sort of strikes something right there for them. And they all really enjoyed it. And then of course, Jen and I adored it ourselves and it's a, it still works, right? Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. It works really well. It's one of those that whenever I watch it or think about it again, it's just kind of one of those like heartwarming kind of movies. Mm-hmm. It gives me the warm fuzzies whenever I think about it. And oh God, what Criterion did with their Blu-ray release of it, I mm-hmm. absolutely loved because they did the packaging to where it it was like an actual book yep. instead of their usual like plastic case. And I was like, that's exactly what this movie deserves because that's what it's about. You know, it's about fantasy and, and storytelling and, you know, the, the way that that the longevity that a story like that can have and that that was such a cool way to present the movie and i think there's an element of it that's about reading aloud to children <laughs> okay absolutely having, yeah. having done that for all my kids entire lives up to this point it's a powerful thing I, it really is mm-hmm. special to do that i know this is a grandparent to a grandchild in the movie but you know it's the same kind of idea uh it's just it's so effective there's something about doing that especially if it's a story that you love that you're sharing with your kids like i'm reading the shining to my son right now and you know cutting out a few bits here and there but (laughs) (laughs) but that is special to me and reading it to him around the same age that i read it myself I don't know. It's a, it's a cool thing. It's a really cool thing. Definitely. Okay, I'm going to pick something also from 1987. Very different, though. Instead of f- fantasy, we're doing science fiction. And it's part man, part machine, all cop. <laughs> uh, Paul Verhoeven's <laughs> RoboCop. Nice. This movie is one of those. It's kind of like Ghostbusters, where as a kid, I took it 100% seriously. And I saw this movie far too young. I, I saw it much <laughs> earlier than I should have. It's I don't know why my parents let me watch it, but they did. Because it's violent. <laughs> it's a really, really violent oh, yeah. movie. But when I got older and I watched it again, I was like, oh my gosh, this movie is hilarious. It is so funny and poignant. And, and this one, you know, where Ghostbusters is funny, funny. This is funny, satirical. And it's Satirical. sharp yeah. and edgy, and it still is so poignant. I mean, there are certain things that are discussed in this movie, like the uh, privatization of hospitals and space exploration that have both come to pass uh, are, are very interesting <laughs> kinds of things. I remember being struck by it so much, you know, because obviously I think I was a gore hound uh, all the way back then. And so seeing something that was this gory kind of, made it so that I could see some of the other movies that I love as well in the horror genre in particular. This was sort of, in a way, kind of a gateway gore film, if you will. But I tell you, as I've gone through life with it and have just sort of seen what Verhoeven is doing with this movie, it has only grown in how much I like it over the years. And this is another one, you know, that I've owned on VHS multiple DVD editions. I have the Arrow Blu-ray now and I'm tempted to upgrade to the Arrow 4K, but we'll see. You have to. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But this movie, I have it right in my hand and I feel like maybe I'll just watch it this afternoon. But, you know, since now we have this director's cut available to us that was sort of long sought after for so long that is more violent, but the extra violence actually kind of makes it funnier whereas Mm. the theatrical cut in a weird way kind of makes the violence worse because it makes it more serious whereas in the director's cut the violence is so over the top that it makes it absurd so it's just one of those fascinating things 
it taught me something about filmmaking too. It's like there, if you go over the line with certain things, you can make something that doesn't seem funny, very funny and very poignant. And I think that is part of the reason why RoboCop kind of endures. And I think it's just as probably more relevant now than it was in 1987 and is just really, really effective. You've been wanting to talk about this for so long. I am so excited to hear you get more in depth with it. Because seriously, guys, like every few weeks, Brian's like, when are we going to talk about RoboCop? (laughs) (laughs) What episode can we put RoboCop in? (laughs) And I actually only saw it for the first time like a few years ago. Honestly, it really wasn't that long ago. I had gone my whole life without ever seeing RoboCop. And now uh, I haven't seen it that much. But uh, yeah, I absolutely loved it. One of my favorite t-shirts that I've seen around. Have you seen that t-shirt that's like, remember when Robocop shot that guy in the dick or something? <laughs> I haven't seen that. <laughs> no. Yeah, that, that was a big thing. It was like, oh, wow. I thought that was pretty cool. I think that's a great choice. That's really fun. Yeah. And I am excited to talk about that one. I think we've got something planned for that or working on it still. I, I can't remember. Be. I can't remember where. where I can't remember now. Be. But. You know, we're gonna, we gotta talk about it. Gotta, 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 gotta. We will. Yeah. I promise. All right. Okay. So for my next one, let's go to the 70s. I'll do my horror pick for this round of movies. Little Brian De Palma fun. <laughs> my favorite of his movies from 1976, Carrie. Another one that is one of my favorite horror movies, always been one of my favorites that. It's another one that just kind of keeps getting better and, and more important to me. Like the older that I get and the, the more that I see what it's doing and just how beautiful it is. Like this was one of the first movies that I, I've seen this so much. I know like every frame of this movie and it was one of the first ones when I got like the new Scream Factory Blu-ray with the, the new transfer of it. That was the first time I ever really like saw a huge difference between like what I had been watching all these years and like what you know a really really good transfer could do for a movie because mm-hmm. it was one that just kind of opened up really for me that the colors and the the clarity of it I fell in love with it all over again really I think it's just absolutely beautiful it was one that I don't know that I can say that I really relate to the main character of Carrie because I didn't, you know, I didn't go through anything as uh, severe, like having to do with bullying or anything like she does. But I definitely can relate to her in terms of like just feeling a little bit awkward, feeling a little bit like an outsider, you know, like seeing the the cool girls and the confidence they have and like never being able to have that yourself. I haven't I didn't really get that until like last year, you know, feeling like one of the cool girls, you know, so I can relate to it um, in that way. And the performances, I mean, again, to talk about amazing performances, um, Sissy Spacek and Piper Laurie in this movie are, I think, some of the best in the history of of horror. I mean, they just are absolutely committed to those roles and they either break your heart, like with Sissy Spacek and the the way that she plays the the main character or with being absolutely terrifying, (laughs) uh, like with Piper Laurie, but still like, I don't know. There's just, there's a lot to, I would love to talk about this one too, because there's a lot I would like to, to get into. And it was one of the first, I don't know. It was one of the first Stephen King things that helped me kind of know a little bit more about Stephen King. Mm-hmm. It was like, I don't know if it was one of the first books I read. I don't remember what order. It was probably, it was shorter. So it was probably one of the the first ones that I read. It was the first one I read. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, helping me discover Stephen King, I mean, that's definitely a huge part of my life too. So it introduced me to Palma's filming style. I've, I've caught up with a lot more of, of his movies over the years and he's kind of become one of my favorite directors and it introduced me to the music. Uh, this is one of the first movies where I really paid attention to like the score and the music and God, it's just, it, it kills me. Like it's one of those, I don't know music as well as you do or anybody else, but you know, when you know um, something so well, it's like you can instantly pick up on it and, this is one of those, the score for this movie is, is absolutely beautiful. And I think it's visually stunning. And of course, the, the story is a little extreme, sure. 
<laughs> in terms of like what it's trying to say but it's still i think really relatable to a lot of people and i think it's a beautiful beautiful movie and i love it yeah carrie was it was the first stephen king book i read and it was the first definitely the first de palma film i saw mm-hmm. pretty sure can't think of what else it would be yeah i love this movie too this is actually my favorite de palma film like by far mine too. because I don't know. I'm learning to like Brian De Palma. I, I like s- <laughs> some of his movies. He's an acquired taste. I like some of his <laughs> movies, but there are others I just can't stand. And I'll admit that. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I it's think, fun. Yeah. I, I think have fun with him. This one yeah. is, is really great. I think I was particularly drawn to all the performances in it. And it's also, it's interesting that uh, you picked Carrie to come after RoboCop. Uh, Nancy Allen is in both movies. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, nice. And I'm toying with what to pick next because do I pick w- the one with the <laughs> common co-star like you did? Or do I <laughs> pick the one that used the same casting session? <laughs> I think you should do that. <laughs> That's one of my favorite uh, stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, d- d- before I do that, is there anything else you wanted to say about Carrie? No, no. Okay. Good. I'm going to go with the horror movie. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to pick starring PJ Souls uh, from 1978, John Carpenter's Halloween. <laughs> uh, the, yeah. You know, this movie was when I saw it. I saw Halloween 2 first, which is a little confusing. And I thought, wow, this is the scariest movie I have ever seen. Halloween 2. Right. And then a couple days later, I rented the first Halloween. And I went, this movie blows Halloween 2 out of the water. To me, <laughs> it was to me, it was so scary. It shows what a masterful filmmaker Carpenter is. And, you know, Dean Cundy as his cinematographer, just filling that frame you know, and and seeing when I first saw this, this was cropped, you know, so I didn't even see the full scope uh, of what their vision was when I first saw this movie. I just sort of saw the VHS pale <laughs> reflection of what it truly was. Right. And this was just a key moment for me as far as love of horror. And eventually, I think Nightmare on Elm Street surpassed it as my favorite horror movie. But it took a long time. This was my favorite horror movie for... This was my favorite movie, period, for a very, very, very long time. I will watch it endlessly on loop. You know, it's it's short. It's 90 minutes long. And it just became so comfortable. One of some of the things I loved about it is its use of suspense. There's hardly a drop of blood in the entire movie. And in fact, the copy that I owned for the longest time was the TV cut of it which was even less violent. So now I obviously have the theatrical cut is my is my go-to, uh, though there is also a version that is added scenes from the television cut and the full theatrical version spliced together, which is interesting. Uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it, it adds the sister twist into it in that aspect. Hmm. Um, but anyway, just to justify Halloween too, I think. But, <laughs> right. Yeah, this movie is a perfect horror film. Uh, it is unrelenting. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, it is unrelentingly suspenseful. Uh, it is lean and mean. There's not a moment that is unnecessary in this movie. It's a throwback to Carpenter's love of... It shows his love of, like, 50s horror movies, like The Thing is on television, and carving jack-o'-lanterns and trick-or-treating and making popcorn and the babysitters and all these things. And where the hell are all those parents during this whole thing? All these great questions you can ask yourself about this movie. (laughs) And this is just, it's a masterpiece and it's ground zero for so much. I mean, I know that it's, it's sort of like Citizen Kane. There are certain things that existed beforehand. <laughs> it's like the Citizen Kane of horror, right? You know, in a way, because there's of slashers at least, because there's there's a lot of these things that existed beforehand. You know, like uh, Texas Chainsaw had the Final Girl and um, the low blood level, and then Black Christmas had the and Peeping Tom had the killer POV. There are a lot of those things that, you know, the masked killer, of course, again, Texas Chainsaw, all of those things existed, but they're just distilled into this perfect moment where it all works, where it all fits together. Because, I mean, when you talk about slasher movies, 
they're not copying Texas Chainsaw. They're not copying Black Christmas. They're copying Halloween. You know, Friday the 13th was a ripoff of Halloween. Edge of the Axe is a ripoff of Halloween and Friday the 13th. It's just what it was. So this is that moment for the slasher. And I don't think it's ever been topped as far as slasher movies go. That's a bold statement. All right. I like that. (laughs) So it's the Citizen Kane of slashers. I'll just say that. Yeah. (laughs) All right. What you said about it being comfortable i think that's what i like most about it i mean it's perfect for halloween Mm -hmm. season i I, it's like the first thing i have to watch if i've got the day off work and everything (laughs) on halloween day that's like one of my favorite things to do is i put on halloween and especially at the beginning with the the pumpkin Mm -hmm. and the the john carpenter score i always turn the volume up all Mm. the way and that just like totally sets the mood you know for the whole day and for the whole season i mean it was filmed in california but it still feels like you know small town yeah it's remarkable um, fall time it's amazing how it pulls that off that feeling off even though it's a totally different place filmed in the same neighborhood as a nightmare on elm street (laughs) in elm street yes it is (laughs) just everything that you said about it yep it's perfect and it's it's such an easy comfortable watch that's what i love about it too it's like it's it's perfect and when my son started expressing interest in horror the first one i showed him was frankenstein but eventually i I just went to my wife and said can i show him halloween i mean there's like brief nudity and they're smoking pot in one scene but that's about it you know i mean that's that's it's not r-rated really i mean honestly yeah. This is in the in the 80, 1985 era, 1986, this would have been PG-13. No doubt about it. Because, I mean, you could show tits and pot in early PG-13 movies. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like a perfect streamlined horror thriller. And, you know, I, I was playing with him. Like the part where Annie's going... Because we see Michael at the hedge and he steps behind it and, and Annie goes up to to look behind it right before she got there. I turned to him and I mm-hmm. went, ah, and he just about went through the ceiling because, because <laughs> I was kind of testing <laughs> is the suspense still work. And it's like, hell yeah, it does. Uh, it, it's really it effective. The suspense really <laughs> works. When it was over, I asked him, what'd you think? And he said, I think that's the best movie I've ever seen. Nice. <laughs> uh, I think he's more of a Chucky and, Freddy fan now, but I got to tell you, he, nice. he, when he first saw Halloween, it was just like, this movie's incredible. And so we now have uh, our go to the theater and see the new Halloween movie thing. And um, he, he didn't see mm-hmm. 2018 in the theater, but we saw Halloween Kills together. We'll see Halloween Ends together. And so yeah. I, I've also done a little test with him. I said, okay, we're not going to watch any of the other sequels until after Halloween Ends comes out. So you, you are going to be untainted. You will only see the original and then the, the new ones and see how that works. And then we can go back and ruin you with sister twists and and uh, Just... senior citizen cults, <laughs> the cult of thorn. Yeah, let's see how that plays on. I love that one. Stop. Okay. What is the blanket? That that, I, have I right know. Now? I know. <laughs> I have the <laughs> curse of Michael Myers blanket on my stomach right now. <laughs> I'm not saying those movies aren't fun. You I wrote should... a pretty glowing article about t- Halloween two. So I mean, come on. I love that movie. <laughs> Halloween two was the first one I saw, and it it sort of was an epiphany. But Halloween was the one that was like this movie is what horror can do at its best yeah so, so what part of the flow chart of uh, halloween continuity are you following we're with him we're, with him we're doing <laughs> halloween halloween 2018 halloween kills halloween ends right then we're gonna go back and we'll do halloween halloween 2 halloween 4 and then 5 <laughs> does it yeah, i guess it continues well, five and or six or are you doing two h2o oh, we can do that one too that's right. Halloween 2, H2O, two Resurrection. H2O of course, you get to have to watch Resurrection. Resurrection. That one, but that's okay. I don't feel a great need to show them the Rob, the Rob Zombie ones, but you know, hey. Um, <laughs> maybe a little late. Maybe, maybe I really later. like Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. I'll, I'll admit that. Is it the director's cut that's totally different? There's one cut of Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 that is much better. The one I think I started with. I haven't seen the theatrical cut. I've only seen the the director's cut because the theatrical cut's not available on on video because i have that box set that's got all the halloween movies in it from scream factory well Mm. i mean up through rob zombie's halloween 2 and it does not have the theatrical cut 
It's the only one that does does not oh. have an alternate cut if an alternate cut is available. Well, I still think that's the first one I saw. So I didn't like it as much. But when I, I watched it again, not too long ago, and I think I watched the right version, yeah. I definitely appreciated that yeah. one a lot I, more. I, I find it a, I think it's an interesting movie about how a trauma like that can affect people psychologically. Sure. Absolutely. All right. One more for today. What do we got? One more. So we're going in a totally different direction than that. This is yet another one that, you know, I'm kind of glad that we did this list and I could uh, think about some of these in a different way and really kind of show my love for them because I have loved this movie for a really, really long time. It's another one of those that just kind of feels like it's always been there. And I relate to it a lot in terms of like family stuff. From 1992, Penny Marshall's A League of okay. Their Own. <laughs> that that makes... <laughs> Does it feel obvious it now? It seems obvious now, yes. yes. <laughs> a League of Their Own. This is another one that, kind of like with Dirty Dancing, I have like a connection uh, with my mm-hmm. mom to this movie because um, she was a huge fan of it. She actually played baseball herself, which is why she loved this movie. And um, so I watched it a lot with her when I was growing up. And so I always think about her whenever I think about this movie. Plus, it's about sisters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have an older sister that kind of made me feel like the Lori Petty character a little bit, like always trying to be as cool as my my older sister. And it's, I mean, it's just a pretty damn good movie Mm -hmm. when you look at it. Uh, I mean, the performances, the, the structure of it and... When I think about it now, like the uh, the importance of telling this story too, like this is a really important you know historical Absolutely. story that I definitely would not have known about. I don't think a lot of people would have even known that this happened at all. You know, like uh, that there was a, a women's baseball league. If it hadn't been for this movie, you know, I never. Oh, like, I I'm wouldn't not into have sports, either, so yeah. I don't think I would mm-hmm. ever have known. I wouldn't have even known that this thing even existed at all. So it's really uh, amazing and it's it's super important that this story was able to be told. I mean, yes, it's a fictionalized version and then these people aren't real, but it's so important that it needs to be told. And this movie, um, I think it kind of inspired me a little bit too when I was growing up because I did play sports for a little bit. Growing up, I I played basketball and I did play softball too. And I pretty sure it was all because of this movie I wanted to be as as cool as the women in this movie but it just kind of inspired me to um, be stronger and find something that I was good at at least and like have have pride in that and and it's it's another like super quotable movie with amazing performances Tom Hanks being one of the funniest he's ever been (laughs) Gina Davis just fucking killing it and being a queen Mm -hmm. Madonna, even Rosie O'Donnell. I mean, their relationship is is super hilarious and fun to me. And all the little side characters, you've got great actors. Of course, Gary Marshall comes in. Um, David, um, I don't know. I never know how to say his name. Strathairn or Strathairn or whatever. So many just amazing. Like she did the same thing, I think, that she kind of did with Jump Jack Flash and just bringing in like all the her great like comedic friends to like play in these roles and like just kill whatever uh, scene that they're in and just stealing it just for that moment and just giving even more life and and richness to this this world and to this story and I think we're definitely going to be talking about this one uh, more in depth soon now this is another one where I'm just like I don't know what else to say about it it's kind of been in my life for so long and I I know it so Mm -hmm. well and I still love like every moment of it um, it's still it's, it's sports movies like like I'm not into sports anymore but sports movies always really get to me and you know you kind of get caught up in you know like are they gonna win are they gonna make it to the world series and <laughs> still to this day even though you know exactly what's gonna happen it's one of those things where it just kind of brings that that feeling of like excitement and, and pride and I still kind of tear up a little bit and at some point parts mm-hmm. of it and there's the dramatic stuff again like with the the sisters that um, I kind of relate to now because I had kind of had the same thing with my sister where I, I was really jealous of her and I felt competitive with her. But now that we're older and we kind of realize that none of that stuff should have mattered back then. It definitely doesn't matter now. Now we're like best friends. And I, I always love seeing the the evolution of, of that sister relationship um, at the end when they realize how much they love each other and care about each other. And so love this movie. Love it. Every second of it. It's one I haven't seen in a long time, but I remember loving. This was also... I, I remember thinking at the time this was Tom Hanks's 
make or break movie because he had his big breakthrough, I guess, into the mainstream <laughs> with, I mean, obviously Splash and things like that had come before, but with Big, uh, you know, he got his Oscar nomination and working with Penny Marshall there too. Uh, and then, you know, Bonfire of the Vanities was like this colossal flop. And there was, there was just this, <laughs> him curating his roles more. There was the sense of him doing the kinds of movies he really wanted to do. And this was sort of the beginning of that. And then Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, and Apollo 13, and all these movies that came after that were sort of like put him on top of the world. This was the beginning of that. And uh, he's just this supporting role in it, you know, but it was a role he really wanted to do. And you can feel that. And how often do you hear someone say there's no crying in baseball? Uh, um, I mean, (laughs) I'm really looking forward to watching the movie again and discussing it. And it's going to be interesting with the movie we've chosen to pair it with. But, you know, hey, uh, we'll see how that goes. That's how the show goes. That's right. That's right. (laughs) I discovered something about myself is that um, when it comes to sports movies, I think I like ones that are not particularly serious. (laughs) So I've chosen something to go with it that is not particularly serious. So anyway, great movie. Great movie. And it'll be fun to talk about. Okay. So my last one, this is a biggie for me. And it's one that I almost hate to mention because it just seems so, I don't know. It's one of those answers where. Stop. No. Here's, but you know what I mean though? Okay. Like I already hinted this movie shared a casting session with Brian De Palma's Carrie. Uh, and so <laughs> it's like my favorite story yeah, um, from that. That's so uh, cool. <laughs> Carrie Fisher really wanted to be in Carrie because she could be in Carrie starring Carrie. But <laughs> <laughs> instead uh, she was cast as a space princess with buns on the side of her head. Uh, that's right. Uh, we are talking from 1977, George Lucas's Star Wars. And I am not going to say anything further than that for its title. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, that all came later. All right. Yes. So we're talking Star Wars. Now, I feel that The Empire Strikes Back is a better movie. But I think Star Wars is just my favorite of them. It's the beginning of it. There's a sort of wide-eyed optimism to it. If you really want to look for subtexts about empire and colonialism and, you know, guerrilla warfare and all those things, you can, but you don't have to. You can just enjoy the movie about space (laughs) wizards and it's fun. And all of the mythology, all of the fandom, all of the other crap that's come up around this movie is so tiresome. But this movie, taking all that away, is magical. What it did for film history is one thing. But then what it did for me as a movie lover is another. What it did for lots of people, lots of kids of my age as movie lovers is is monumental. I mean, who hasn't looked at their life and thought, I want to do something significant. I'm living somewhere that doesn't matter. I'm in some backwater place, some backwater town, and nothing I'm going to do is going to be significant. And then it turns out you're the chosen one. Isn't that the dream? You know, this is before Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father. This is before Leia was his sister. Just the purity of this movie is just wonderful to me. And I still, I I don't watch it very much anymore, but I used to watch it all the time. And it didn't matter how many times I had seen it. When they're doing that trench run, you know, Luke's in the Death Star, you know, in his X-Wing fighter. And and the way that movie's cut and the music is swelling and dun, 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 dun. And, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, is (laughs) is he going to do it? Is he going to blow it up? Are they going to get him? What's going to happen? Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. It works for me every freaking time. But, you know, obviously he <laughs> succeeds, spoiler alert, and the Death Star does explode. But it proved to me that no matter how many times I've seen a movie, it can work as an entertainment every time. And I could quote the whole thing beginning to end without stopping. Han Solo was amazing. <laughs> did you want to be Han Solo like I everybody want- I wanted to be Han Solo. It's if there's sort of a collection I have, it's sort of probably like R2D2 stuff. 
uh, I mean, collection from Star Wars anyway. I've got lots of crazy collections, but I have lots of R2-D2 stuff and lots of Darth Vader stuff. Yeah, this movie, thinking of it on its own terms, on its original intentions, what it originally was, just this scrappy little movie that was made for a pretty small budget, considering what they did. I mean, it was $10 million at the time, which... They didn't expect it to do a lot of business, maybe 40 million tops for a really, really successful run. It made $400 million in its original run. I mean, in, in right. 1977, <laughs> I mean, that, it's remarkable. And then when they released the special edition in 1997, and I got to see it on the big screen, you know, warts and all with the changes that were made. It was still just like this incredible moment. It's like seeing it big was such a key thing. Star Wars in its original iteration, I think is just kind of this perfect imperfection of a movie. All of its little (laughs) foibles and weirdnesses are just like, I was going to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. I mean, all of that stuff, I mean, it's just magnificently terrible. And I, it's, it captures that (laughs) B movie element while still being just this pushing forward, you know, special effects, pushing forward, Uh, storytelling and editing, just the speed at which a story is told. You can love it or hate it for that. But I think this movie as it is, is incredible. And I love it deeply. And I always will. And there's, I'm not (laughs) going to be ashamed of it, damn it. Uh, Because it's, it's. Why would you be? Well, I think, I think it's because of all the it's another one of those, like, it's an obvious an answer and it's become what it's become I, now. Is I think kinda, it's not it's not because of yeah. the obvious answer of it. I think it's because of I, I think the fandom has kind of ruined Star Wars for a lot of people because it's pretty toxic sometimes. Uh, not everybody, of course, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of elements of it that have uh, just be cool, people. You know, just be kind. If you don't like a movie, it didn't ruin your freaking childhood you know i mean it's just the movie is still there it still exists for goodness sake you know and i think the purity of the original movie is something wonderful that came along at just the right time people were exhausted i think (laughs) people were tired of an endless war in vietnam and inflation and this and that going on and gas shortages and everything else And this was pure escapism in so many ways. But, I mean, if you want to dig for it, there's still these other things that it's trying to say. And I just find it to be a fascinating movie still. And just a damn fun movie to watch. I don't really have a whole lot to to add. As we joked many, many times, I'm not a Star Wars person. I'm pretty sure I've seen them a long, long time ago. Yeah. At least once. A long time ago uh, in a galaxy but I don't remember. far, far away. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew you were going to be there. <laughs> I set that up. <laughs> I was surprised that this wasn't on your first list. Oh, yeah? Like the way I've heard you talk about it before. So I'm happy that you admitted your love for it. Here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Own it. I mean, love it. <laughs> I'm of an age where, you know, the original trilogy is what I really gravitate toward. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because my son loves the prequel trilogy and my daughter actually likes the sequels because they have a a female protagonist it's funny because when the prequels came out they were sort of reviled (laughs) Mm -hmm. i remember that one has this nostalgia for them now and it's just kind of strange and they're hating on the sequels and now i'm kind of like yeah just wait another 20 years and everyone's gonna love the sequels i mean there's gonna be something that's gonna come along that people will hate more it's like and say why can't it be like it was when the sequels came out <laughs> i mean <laughs> you know that's gonna happen <laughs> right and that, it's it's cycles it'll happen that's, again, that's yeah. part of the exhaustion i think that we all feel feel towards this sort of Star Wars fandom thing. And so I'm just yeah. trying to get back to that untainted version of it, you know, and seeing what George Lucas was able to do with 12 Stormtrooper costumes, a bunch of sets that, you know, he recycled and moved around in different configurations and and the masks that didn't quite fit right and all, all the stuff that they managed to do in this movie is it still works and it's still remarkable and it's still entertaining 
honestly, I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to pick a science fiction film. Do I pick the smart ass one or do I pick the one that is the real deep love? Actually, yeah, you're, the, yeah. the long time deep love from childhood. And I had to go with Star Wars. Yeah, you did. Okay. Do you want to do you want right. to do a quick uh, recap mm-hmm. of what they were? Sure. Are we going to do just... Yeah, just go ahead and, and say your, your five. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my list was Rope from 1948, Some Like It Hot, 1959, Princess Bride from 1987, Carrie from 1976, and A League of Their Own, 1992. And mine was uh, Rear Window, 1954, uh, Casablanca, 1943, Robocop, 1987, Halloween, 1978, and Star Wars, 1977. So what was the one <laughs> when I said we had a similar director and you thought you I knew thought you were going to say West Craven's you... New Nightmare. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, because I thought you were referring to my original I meant the list. Same... Yeah. No, mm-hmm. not the original yeah. list, the yeah. new list. I know that was hard to, to leave that one yeah. off, but we've talked about it before. It's still like yeah. very much in, in my heart. I, I, I wrote down a list of 10 movies. I, I actually have the next five on here so (laughs) yeah i do too (laughs) so uh we'll probably do another one of these at some point yeah that'd be fun and and some of these like i said we've we talk about on the show and so these are again forever favorites these are because and i think we could probably each ultimately do like a (laughs) hundred of these that we deeply love and it's hard to pick Uh, which ones really go in our top slots, you know? Because I feel like I carefully chose my original five. And now I think about it, it's like, I don't know. Maybe some of these other ones would go in there instead. And it's hard to say. Because I think, you know, Vinny said in the California Split episode, he says, I say that California Split's my favorite movie, but I still really have like 20 movies that are my favorite movie. Uh, Which is, I think, the way people who love movies really feel. This list, I feel, is just like the original list, too. I mean, these are just the movies that I feel like really define me. Like, if you were getting to know me and the kind of stuff that I am drawn to and the kind of stuff that I deeply relate to and that kind of represents, like, all the different things about movies that I love... That's what this list is, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's like, if you want to get to know me and get to know the things that I, I really care about, um, watch A League of Their Own with me and watch, <laughs> you know, like watch my reaction to it and watch me quote everything in that movie yeah. or listen to us dissect rope the way mm-hmm. we did and how excited I was to talk about that movie finally. Yeah. yeah. Which is ultimately why we wanted to do the show this way anyway, is because we wanted to just talk about exactly. movies that we yeah. loved. Whether the other person does or not, I mean, it's it depends. You know, I think we tend to like each other's movies to varying degrees, but it's but that's not the point. Yeah, the point is more absolutely. hearing each person's love for the movie that they bring to the table. That's what's been really awesome about yeah. the show, and just getting to talk about our yeah, like our favorites in a way that I've never been able to before. Yeah, it's a fun kind of like self exploration too. It's like really, why am I so drawn to this? And like watching it again, and like thinking about how you used to feel about the movie before like maybe when you were a kid you just kind of had fun watching it but now as an adult maybe you can see a little bit more of what it's doing and it's just fun to like reevaluate those favorites and hopefully realize that they're still your favorites and maybe even more so than they ever have been and that's what's happened with a with a lot yeah. of these that's what's been really cool about it I, I can't i can't imagine i'll probably ever really get to talk about star wars on the <laughs> <laughs> on this show but who knows maybe you'll maybe you'll concede and say we might do it say, okay <laughs> fine i'm not like opposed to watching it it's not again. it's not like one of my other it's picks. just it's there's, just there's another pick that i have it's just not a world that i've ever been involved in i know nothing uh, about there, it there's another pick that that we joke about that you're like sorry brian you're not gonna get me to watch that movie. um <laughs> Your smart, my pick smart sci-fi pick. Yeah, I love movie. it though. I yeah. love that movie. Okay, but we'll talk about it that. It could one. happen one day. We'll, we'll talk see. about that one the next time we do this. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's definitely going on your it's next list. Definitely on my next list. There's no All way right. around it. Yeah, my next <laughs> list. I'm kind of like, man, those are like smart movies. <laughs> well, not all of them. Some my of them. next one would be like 
really like eclectic odd picks that don't go together at all <laughs> mine don't either but that's <laughs> but what's kind of fun about it <laughs> they're all fairly well respected movies i gotta say but for different reasons but we'll let that be a surprise for the next time we get around to doing this get get everyone's wheel yeah. wheels turned in on on what our next picks could possibly be okay so this was really fun to do absolutely I love doing these kinds of episodes and, you know, like this and our Good little bonus fun yeah, and our, our discoveries episodes and stuff like that. I have always had a good time with less definitely less work than the other. Yeah, episodes. <laughs> it's just kind of nice. It is. it is. OK, well, uh, real quick, uh, we'll give our Twitter information. Um, you can find me at Brian D. Kuiper on Twitter. You can find me at Michelle in Agen. And you can find the show at Movie Life Pod. If you would like to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you can leave a rating, uh, please do that. Yeah. Or just come over on Twitter and talk to us a little bit. We always love hearing from people and talking about a little bit more about the movies that we've talked about. And Absolutely. Give us your list of, if you told us your forever favorites from the very, very first episode of the show... Uh, what are five more that you would put on the list? Yeah. We want to hear all of them. Sounds great. Yeah, we'd love to hear that and talk about that. Okay. Yeah. So this is a bonus episode. I don't know when it's going to fall exactly, but so we're not going to announce what's next. Um, but we're hoping that you had a good time with it. And what are we going to do, Michelle? I'll see you all next time. Bye.